Hello, I'm Sebastian Marshall, and this is the Ultra Working Podcast. You know, one of my, um, I don't know, dirty little pleasures in life is uh, occasionally from time to time reading about a video game that I've never played and I probably will never play. Uh, a lot of respect if anybody does play it. I'm not putting anyone down. It just looks like um, uh, looks like the type of thing to be super addictive for me. I remember way back in college, I saw certain video games that people would play that would ruin their lives. And, uh, you know, they just play it all day like a freaking zombie, like World of Warcraft. And I looked at that and I go, that looks super fun and super engaging. I'm never going to do that. Um, and this is another one of those types of games where I think it could be all-consuming. And, you know, if you've got a personality type where you can mediate, that's great. And if you're a obsessive, mastery-oriented, uh, you know, love to achieve things and go super deep on things person, it's, it's not what you want to do. Uh, and I, that video game is EVE Online. And I, I just find it fascinating from a game design perspective and an emerging economies perspective. I'm talking about a game I've never played before, so I'm only, uh, you know, speaking, uh, you know, not even secondhand, thirdhand about it. But um, apparently what's so interesting is is the vast majority of the, the content in the game is, or a lot of it, is, is player generated. So the game developers set up some tools where it makes it really easy for people to form like corporations and guilds and alliances and take control of star systems. It's like a space simulator kind of sci-fi type game and um, it's a huge game and, and apparently most of the interesting stuff in the game is not you know little starter missions where you go hunt down a, a you know enemy starship for a couple of couple of gold coins or whatever you um, over time build up into you know building giant planetary mining corporations across star systems with alliances with other players and all kinds of interesting stuff and there's fleet management and equipment and wars and raids and all kinds of things and you can try to corner the market on certain materials that are critical for building stuff and whatever apparently it's really really great and really really interesting so you know from time to time uh, i think i originally heard about eve online on, on hacker news news.ycombinator.com which is a, a wonderful website and um yeah, uh, I, there was like every now and then something about Eve's economy or their their game mechanics or or their programming would would kind of come up on Hacker News, and I'd be like, this is so interesting, and I'd read about it a little bit. It had been a while, but um, one of our customers here at Ultra Working is uh, is an economist who's uh, finishing her doctorate in economics, and um, we were talking about that and the economics job market um, and such, and people going to the private sector, like, oh, like Eve Online, they actually hired an economist to model their internal. Uh, mechanics of their economy and she hadn't heard of it so I, I shared a link to it and I, I got in a reading a little bit about you online which from time to time I, I like to do it had been a couple of years I came across this one article that was super interesting because it combines a bunch of stuff that I like um, it combines flow state from uh, psychology and, and uh, person seems like they have a pretty good grounding on psychology but just a lot of self-awareness and introspection about applying um, these these principles of flow state and psychology to a complex endeavor in this case the author of the piece um, is, is talking about both getting good and enjoying the game of EVE Online, which is super complex. It's as complex as anything that exists. It's like a really complicated, uh, emergent complexity sort of thing. And I thought this piece was just beautiful. So I thought I would uh, give you some excerpts of it, and I'll put it, the, the link to it in the, the show description as well if you want to go read it yourself. I don't think you need to know too much about the game. I didn't know most of the terms about the game in it. You know, they're talking about, okay, I guess I can... Guess what asteroid mining is? You mine an asteroid and you get some, uh, I don't know, helium out of the asteroid or something. And then they're talking about other things, a lift protocol transfer receptor. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is, but it's some game mechanic, I imagine. 
Um, but but the article as a whole, I think, has some some great implications to uh, business and operations, and maybe doing research in academia, and uh, really just mastery of any sort of complex endeavor and enjoying yourself in a complex endeavor. So let's quote this person used their 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 gamer tag as their um, sign off on the piece. So Ash Tarothi. Uh, is the author of this piece, and it's called Is Eve a Bad Game, or Is It Just You? Um, I think Eve and Flow State would have been a better title, respectfully, which is what I'm calling uh, this podcast, but let's uh, let's hear from this person. This piece came out in um, May 2018, and uh, I just thought it was quite interesting. So let's, let's quote a little bit from the intro. I'll jump in, I'll quote some things and comment on some things and uh, you know flesh out some of the theory, and then we can talk about how to apply it. So let's, let's start by quoting Ash Tarothi. Quote, One of the fun theories to come out of psychology is flow theory. It is largely focused on the feeling of being quote-unquote in the zone that can come from performing a complicated task that you understand well. It is believed that to achieve flow requires three things. One, you must be involved in an activity with a clear set of goals and progress. This adds direction and structure to the task. Two, the task at hand must have clear and immediate feedback. This helps the person negotiate any changing demands and allows them to adjust their performance to maintain the flow state. Three, one must have a good balance between the perceived challenges of the task at hand and their own perceived skills. One must have confidence in one's ability to complete the task at hand. Now, uh, I believe that that where Ash Tarothi would have uh, gotten this is from Dr. Shikzet Mihaly. Uh, Mihaly, Mihaly. I, I try really hard to get that name right. It's a very difficult name. Shikzet Mihaly, uh, who's an MIT professor who wrote a book called Flow. Um, and uh, so, so it's a great little book. I do recommend you read it at some point if you haven't, if you're interested in these sort of things. And Shigzankman uh, Haile, which is the next point the author gets into, um, has this theory that, that a necessary condition of being in flow is when the challenge level of an activity meets your skill level in the activity, right? So Ashtarothi has seen the famous skill challenge thing, and Shigzankman uh, Haile um, mapped... Um, you know, if you have low skill at something and the challenge level is low, you're kind of apathetic. And if you have high skill and the challenge level is low, that's relaxing. And then if you have moderate skill and the challenge level is low, that's boring, right? And then if you have high skill, uh, or if the challenge level is high and your skill is low, you have anxiety. If you have uh, high challenge and moderate skill, you, you're in a kind of an aroused state, you're very activated. And then flow state is when you have high skill meeting a high challenge relatively is when they match. I've seen a couple different versions of this. One of them graphs emotions on the different quadrants, um, and another one um, says anywhere up that line as the challenge level matches roughly your skill level uh, pretty closely, then that's that's uh, a prerequisite to getting a flow state, and that helps you get in a flow state. So what I really loved about this piece um, that Ash Tarothi wrote is uh, the next part, and then the, the whole thesis of the piece, quote, While one could argue whether quote-unquote flow is an achievable state in EVE, EVE is the name of the game, of course, um, it isn't the only emotional state looked at by this theory. The final result was graph charting the emotional states brought on by various levels of perceived challenge and perceived skill that look like this. It had the famous drawing there. The chart represents the different mental states brought on based on the perceived difficulty of the task as well as the perceived skill in the task. The biggest key word here is perceived. This has nothing to do with the actual skill needed or held by the user, but rather how they see the challenges before them. Additionally, while achieving flow may be a goal for some, seeing the cause of the other states can be likewise incredibly useful to analyzing Eve's strengths and more importantly, its weaknesses. 
So yeah, I think that's that's interesting. You know, being in flow state's cool, but like, hey, it's also cool to like relax. So if you're playing a game that you've um, uh, you know beaten many times, so the perceived challenge of it is low and your mastery's high, that can you can kind of just chill out while you're doing that. Um, likewise, you know, being in an aroused state where the challenge is very slightly higher or a little bit higher than your skill level can be good. Um, moderate challenge level as well, by the way, moderate challenge level with high skills, you're in a sense of control, you're not pushed, but you're controlled. So in the classical graph, the right side of the graph is what we'd probably call good stuff, flow, control, and relaxation. And the left side of the graph is probably not great. That's anxiety, worry, and apathy. Arousals, probably okay to good. Boredom's probably slightly bad, right? So yeah, those are the kind of graphed emotions. I don't think this perfectly corresponds to reality, but I think it's a great jumping off point. And then Astaroth, starts by looking at it and saying, hey, first thing about EVE Online is, is its starting place for new players. Quite a reputation for being a hard game. And nothing in the start of the game does anything to convince the player otherwise. It's a quote, I'm quoting him. Much of the game is not covered in any tutorial, and even the parts that are often leave the player more confused than empowered. The lack of direction in EVE is one of the biggest strengths, but to a new player, it often sits as the unpassable cliff. And there's like a meme of like the difficulty of the game being like uh, the learning curve being just like so steep that there's like people falling off of it and it's brutal. Um, yeah, that's interesting. There are fields that when you start, they're just like overwhelmingly vastly complex and you're like, am I doing this right at all? And apparently EVE Online is one of those games. So, you know, anything like that, that has those, you know, incredibly difficult ramp up curves, a lot of people don't get through. Um, you know, you look at a, um, you know, a game uh, like, like tennis, a sport like tennis, you know, you don't start by doing a, you know, crazy, you know, backhand, trying to hit the baseline, whatever, you know, you start with the simple shots, you see them go over the net, or you see them hit the net, or go, go off to the side the wrong way, and, you know, you get feedback immediately on tennis, so tennis, you can kind of, like, ramp up and train and see how you're doing immediately, whereas, you know, if you're doing a more complex endeavor, um, you know, if you're trying to really push the limits in some sort of software engineering, or trying to, trying to get into business for the first time, or trying to do independent research and really push the frontiers on, on some really brand new field where you're really a pioneer in it, you're kind of like, am I doing anything here? Is this right? Am I learning anything? Am I doing well? And so that's why I found this article really interesting. It's apparently even online is such a complex game that people thrown into it are, are just like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. I don't know what's going on here, right? And so tying it back to flow state, Astaroth, says, quote, so the game starts with a very high perceived difficulty while at the same time leaving you with a sense of exactly how little you know. This presents most starting players with a sense of anxiety. Interesting, which, you know, matches the... You know, the, the, the flow state theory comes across a very high challenge where you have a very low skill, and that often makes people anxious, right? Next up, quote, the second stage generally begins as the player begins trying their first steps of player agency. All too often, this either means being led to missions or absorbed into larger organizations. Um, editors note, like, I, I believe a big part of the EVE Online experience is joining, like, guilds, clans, corporations, things like that, and working with them to achieve missions versus uh, other players and versus the game itself, the environment. Um, so that's, like, a big, big part of it, and so probably after you get your, your feet underneath you a little bit, your pilot swings a little bit, whatever, someone's like, hey, you seem okay, you want to join our group. Um, so there's that. So back to Astarothi or absorbed into larger organizations that will at best teach and at worst simply direct them to the simplest set of tasks to accomplish the goal. Read, become an F1 monkey. I guess F1 is some keyboard shortcut, you know, in the game. Click, 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 click to F1, All right? Back to the piece. In either case, the game rapidly exposes itself for the paper tiger it is. While the entirety of the game is complex and daunting, any given task can often be simplified and distilled down to very basic components. 
What this means in practice is the perceived difficulty rapidly drops off as one begins to understand the tasks they are trying to master. To put it another way, the first time you run a mission, it can be challenging, especially without a guide. But as soon as you have one and have run it a few times, it becomes trivial to be successful. In the end, the perceived difficulty rapidly changes from insurmountable to trivial. I find that super interesting because there's a lot of things like that. And I feel like that's a challenge in complex domains. Sometimes once you get into a complex domain, you're like, well, this is overwhelming, but then you find one thing that works. And sometimes the most effective thing to do in a complex domain is to rinse and repeat the one thing that works <laughs> repeatedly. I had a, a friend that ran a, a, a nonprofit and basically her success was that she had uh, broken down to a almost assembly line uh, like efficiency applying for grants. And her nonprofit did a lot of very valuable things, did some humanitarian stuff using some science stuff. Um, but she had a way to apply for grants where she had taken like every common grant writer asking question, right? Uh, what's your mission? How you measure the impact? How you use the funds? Who is running it? How are you qualified? Whatever. And she had answers written for a 50 word answer, a 100 word answer, a 200 word answer, a 500 word answer, a 2000 word answer. She's like a factory. So she could assemble all of those. And then, you know, if there was like a little twist on it, she could go lightly edit. But like this was enough that she could apply for a few hundred grants a year like get six of them and that kept her well staffed up to help people on a bunch of uh, you know different parts of the world and and, and and do their mission and it was a great organization but you can see you know when you start a nonprofit and you're gonna like help some people and do some good for the world it's like vastly overwhelmingly daunting I'm a former uh, executive director of a nonprofit myself it's like well, what do we do there's so many things we could do but then once you actually learn the mechanics of it and this was the mechanic of, of, of applying for and getting grants it's once you really boil it down, it's really, you know, what, what, what's the Astarothi say? In the end, the perceived difficulty rapidly changes from insurmountable to trivial. So there's a real challenge there on fields that are dauntingly overwhelming when you get into them. But then once you master the specific elements, which in EVE Online is, I don't know, how to mine an asteroid, shoot down an enemy ship, uh, make a flux capacitor, I don't know, whatever. Those are all independently just trivial. And sometimes, like, the way to succeed at these things is, like, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, Right? Interestingly, continuing with Astarothi, quote, however, this often occurs with very little feedback as to whether or not your skill has improved. Completing tasks is often more about knowing what to bring and the exact steps to perform rather than attempting to get good at the game. Talks a little bit about that. After that, Astarothi, what this means is that most players end up believing they are as good as their own minds lead them to believe. Human psychology leads us to create a warped view of our own capabilities, and as mentioned, Eve does very little to challenge your own perceptions of skill. These two factors, when combined, ensure that during almost any player versus environment experience, you're not fighting other players, the player ends up in one of the bottom three emotional states based on their own level of delusion. <laughs> so you're either going to be ap apathetic, bored, or relaxed, um, depending on whether you think you're in control. So, oh, wow, that sucks. Um, so, yeah, Astrothy goes on to say, hey, few reach flow within EVE, but it's mostly reserved for... Mission blitzers, FCs, I don't know what these are. These are certain difficult things in the game that are challenging and, and you have to be pretty good to do them. But then continues, Eve is about many different emotional states, including all the ones on the chart. The system can also explain why many people find mining relaxing and fleeting up worrying. Fleeting up is, and mining are different things in the game. If one feels that the task is easy, but yet they've gotten skilled at it and create a feeling of relaxation, and the drone of the mining laser strongly reinforces this. Additionally, even as players understand the game is not insurmountable, the challenge of stepping into a fleet, perhaps for the first time, could cause serious anxiety. At the same time, it can give clues as to how to move 
through the various emotional states. I've often said, boredom is a mechanic of Eve that demonstrates to the player that they are doing the wrong thing. There's just too much to do in the sandbox of Eve to sit around doing something that makes you miserable. Just like with real life, how you make your money will end up defining you just as much as how you spend it. However, this doesn't just become about distracting yourself from potentially bad gameplay by tricking yourself into alternative bad gameplay. Rather, this is about knowing that truly understanding Eve is to transcend tasks themselves and understand how they all fit together. I think it's amazing. I think this is amazing. So I'm going to read that last line again a little more clearly. So, you know, to really have an amazing time there, to really have an amazing time, master the game and have an amazing time playing it. It's not about, okay, mining got boring, let me go hunt space pirates, right? Not about distracting yourself by doing another alternative eh thing. Rather, this is about knowing that truly understanding the game is to transcend the tasks themselves and understand how they all fit together. So I, I think that's really, really interesting and I thought really, really poignant. Um, the author then goes on to a long description of you know comparing Eve to other game mechanics like Mario Brothers and the skill tree and the mission system and you know so on and so forth. But where the real takeaway comes at the end, and I think this is directly applicable to a lot of other complex domains, is this quote. Above all, what Eve lacks is hand-holding to show the links between its various systems. Almost all of Eve's many systems and professions are interlinked in a web of dependencies and outputs. It is difficult to understand how to obtain things you buy from others on the market, and likewise, it is challenging to understand why someone might want what you are producing. Meanwhile, it's precisely this knowledge that leads players to become engaged with a larger Eve picture. Some may argue the information about such as where to acquire or what this is used for make the game quote-unquote easier. What it really does is clear the way to allow the player to understand and start making meaningful choices. Remember, it isn't the systems themselves that make things hard, it is the complex interaction of those systems. And, and the players working within the systems that create the high-end difficulty of play. So as it turns out, even to, is, isn't a quote-unquote bad game, it just has historically done a poor job leading players towards understanding what makes it quote-unquote good goes on for a while, talks about the new types of missions and new types of playstyles that are emerging. It's very, you know, kind of got to know what's up to understand that it's written for the native audience. And then at the end, it says this. In the end, finding your flow in EVE is challenging. It often takes years to achieve enough confidence and mastery, but is rewarding nonetheless. However, understanding flow theory allows us to understand how EVE Online impacts us on an emotional level and how those emotions work to introduce unique experiences to EVE but also turn away people while burning others out. Ultimately, it isn't the game's systems that hold back Eve, but rather the tendons between the systems. Eve is best when it is experienced most, and the best thing we all can do is to encourage each other to try to understand Eve to an ever-increasing level, for there is the real flow. So I think the applicability in the gems here are uh, a few, right? So cool, very cool to see uh, Shigzant Mahaili and flow theory applied to a very complex um, multi massive multiplayer space simulator, um, pretty cool. And um, yeah, the author goes through and uh, you know talks about, hey, you got to match your your skill level and the challenge level. Where people lose the plot, maybe and have a mediocre at best time in the game, at best relaxing, but maybe bored. Why am I even doing this anymore? Apathetic, like I'm just playing, click click click, and I'm grinding it through because I'm just used to doing it habitually. Is when they don't increment up the challenge level of what they do. 
And the fundamental challenge of Eve um, is that, according to this, is that in most of the, the core game mechanics of the game, short of, uh, you know, the really intensive player-on-player -player conflicts, which are, you know, you could go look for that, but it's not the only thing going on in the game. Outside of that, most of success in the game is like knowing what equipment to bring to what missions. So I don't know, you might need like a warp speed thing to get away from something that explodes in some mission or something. And it's like, you don't have that, you die, but then you're like, all right, somebody tells you to do that. You read a guide or you just figure it out. Like, Hey, I need my ship to go faster to get away from the thing after we, whatever, destroy the enemy base or something. Right. So, you know, like asteroid mining and all that stuff in the beginning, it's immersive, it's cool, it's whatever. And then eventually it's like, Hey, you just go there with this equipment you click these buttons and then you get the helium or the thorium or whatever from the asteroid. And you, you know, then you go bring it back to the port and you sell it and you do it again. And you make, you make space money uh, playing the game. And, and so the game goes from overwhelming, insurmountably challenging to very boring rinse and repeat at best. It's relaxing, you know, and, and maybe it's apathy producing or boredom producing. And the author here says, if you're bored, you're doing it wrong. If you're bored, you're doing it wrong because yes, the individual tasks and missions are very rinse and repeat once you get them down. Once you know the script, once you got the recipe, it's very easy to cook it up, right? But where the really interesting thing happens in the game is when you can see the interdependent links, right? So it's not about the boring rinse and repeat thing and the other boring rinse and repeat thing. It's all boring rinse and repeat things or most of the game is that, but it's in the interconnection between those, hey, you know, if we get these materials here and this materials there, we could produce this type of thing here. And we think there's going to be a demand on the market because a war is starting over on the other side of the galaxy. So we could really do very well financially or get some like cool allies out of it and, and, and seeing the links between things. So this proposes that the way to have a deeper, richer experience on the game um, is, yeah, after you get that rinse and repeat formulas down, that you learn more and more about the connections between it. And this then starts to touch on, you know, systems theory and, and how things feed back into each other and interact with each other. And, you know, I, you know, I think this squares pretty well. Like when you see a complex interaction, you start to see complex interactions unfold where it's like, hey, if I tweak this little thing here, it's gonna affect six other things. And like you actually have your mind around it and how this thing affects these other six things. Like that's actually pretty cool. And, you know, so I guess in EVE Online, I don't know much about it. I guess, like, you have choices of, like, what type of ship you go out in. And there's, like, faster ships that have, like, less shields. And there's, like, big, slow, strong ships and, like, whatever. Right? And so thinking, hey, all right, if I show up at this mission, but, like, enemies can, can kind of mess with us or other players can mess with us during this mission, do I want to bring the, the little fast fighter ship that, like, is going to be very hard to shoot, but it's going to get pancaked if it gets hit? Or do I want to bring the, the really big ship and what will support my teammates and how do I fly with them? And, you know, just kind of seeing the feedback loops and the interactions that go deeper and deeper just mean the complexity um, in a good way goes up. And the challenge of optimizing for all those variables goes up. It's what's that quote? I really loved it. You know, it's it's about the tendons, right? It's about the tendons um, connecting things, right? It isn't the game's systems that hold back. Eve, but rather the tendons between the systems. So systems themselves, you know, there's only so much complexity you can make in a, uh, you know, player versus environment mass produced game, you know, there's going to be some, you know, repetitive nature to it, you know, someone uh, running a, a custom Dungeons and Dragons campaign can introduce whatever narrative elements of whatever degree of complexity, but you know, for a, a mass market game where the stuff has to respawn, there's going to be some some kind of formulas. Um, in place, even with a randomization, there's, you, know, you can only create so much of a bounds of it, right? But it's not about the individual tasks or tactics, it's about seeing the connections 
um, between all of them as a path to mastery. And I thought that was a really interesting thing for a entrepreneur, for a nonprofit director, for a researcher, for a programmer. And, you know, in some of these fields, you tend to naturally and organically think that way and in other ones, maybe you don't. So yeah, three takeaways here. Um, I think it's a pointer towards uh, Shigzant Mihaly's work flow, uh, which we'll also put in the description of the show if you want to go click on it. Um, and uh, we'll link this one up. Um, yeah, and then thinking about how perceived challenge and perceived skill meeting each other produce different emotional states is very interesting in navigating your emotional states. Um, I thought though it was only breezed through in the piece, talking about how you can go from overwhelmed to what this person calls an F1 monkey, where you just get, hey, hey, just go click this mine asteroid button, get the helium, come back, oh, just keep doing that repeatedly, um, is a bit of a trap where you just find only one thing that works instead of building out the breadth of your skills. Um, and then at the highest levels to, to keep the thing really maximally engaging and, uh, and fun and mastery oriented, um, you start looking for the connections between the systems, the tendons um, between the systems as the way to get there. Um, I thought it was a beautiful piece. So uh, we'll link up uh, Shigzat Mihaly's book um, and we'll link up this article. Um, in the show notes, I love thinking about these things and I love being able to observe them in, in fields really totally unrelated to my own. Um, so yeah, cool stuff. Uh, any commentary? If anyone's actually played EVE online, I'd love to hear if this matches your experience. You can write to us at podcast at ultraworking.com. Uh, we're always happy to dialogue with you and, and get your feedback. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening and be well.